Welcome to the most listened to golf in the world, the Fairways of Life show, on air, online, and around the world. With the most candid interviews, unforgettable stories, taking you beyond the ropes. Here's your host, New York Times best-selling author and Golf Channel's Matt Adams. Always a pleasure to welcome you into the Fairways of Life show. Hope you guys are having a great Thursday. Coverage of the Rocket Mortgage Classic coming up at 3 p.m. Eastern time today on Golf Channel. And a number of players have marched their way through the interview room over the last couple days, which we will be getting to, as well as in Valderrama, Spain, where a very prominent trio of Kepka in one DJ and one Mickelson came in together. You're going to be hearing from them in just a moment. Also, thank you to all of you for the responses that we're getting to having uh, Mark uh, Levenstein on, the sports attorney, and yesterday with George Pine, the media mogul, giving us some perspective on what's going on in the world of golf and what's going on with this proposed union. Uh, it, the response has been incredible. Adam, I'm sure you, you're hearing the same thing. I know you guys and Andrew put out a lot of clips from these various interviews over the last couple of days and we could tell obviously by views and the way it hits and the different platforms that we're on that uh, for something that you think maybe might be a little bit dry because you're talking with an attorney you know going back and forth and there's a lot of legalese that's going on uh, not an attempt to deceive or, or you know uh, try to to uh, speak with any sort of forms of platitudes, but I really do think that people connected with it and people understood and people start to start to appreciate not only the complexity but but where the various sides are coming from. Am I am I off on that? What do you think? No, I agree a hundred percent. I mean, I, I think part of our role, I hope, right, is education. I mean, there's a lot of this that I don't understand. There's a lot of this that's over my head, and people like Mark and George can really focus that in and make it make sense for a lot of us. I mean, I certainly know for me, it helps me a lot because some of this stuff is over my head and that's why I want these folks to join us on the show and inform us and inform you guys. And we do the best we can to get, you know, you got like this huge media mogul guy. You got this huge sports attorney guy. We're trying to attack this from all angles, Matt. Yeah, no doubt about that. Now, at the Rocket Mortgage Classic, so we jump into this because we have a lot to go through with you. We have a special guest coming up in today's show as well. Uh, and, and I would say our special guest today is someone that you're going to feel like you know, but you're definitely going to get to know better. I'll let that simmer for a little bit. But at the Rocket Mortgage Classic here, you're, you're talking about a golf course, Detroit Golf Club, where they have two courses, Donald Ross Design, and the courses that they use for this one, it's a little bit of a composite. One hole is from the other, but the first hole is from the other course. The fourth hole, I believe, in the other course. So... But otherwise, it's it's all the same course. And this is a course that is classic from the perspective that smallish greens, raised greens, all the all the Donald Ross, you know, markings that that make a course uniquely his, which is very exciting uh, for many of you that that love golf course architecture. And I, I would number myself amongst that, particularly when we're talking about Donald Ross golf course architecture. Uh, so. The one thing that we've seen over the course of the years at this course that we don't have a great deal of history to draw upon, uh, but if you know you look at, at other tournaments that have hosted on Donna Ross Golf Course, perhaps as as a way to analyze, what we tend to find is that putters and accuracy of ball striking, particularly on approach shots, are a difference maker. So. From the first you're going to hear from today in Colin Morikawa, Colin does very well in the latter. His his ball striking, his approach to green is very, very good. His putter, however, sometimes shows up, and when it does, it's pretty impressive, and other times it's off on vacation somewhere. So here's Colin Morikawa with his mindset. To win. A um, couple more starts left of this year, and um, it's really just a win. Uh, that's been the goal since day one, um, and we just haven't gotten it done this year, obviously last year. Um, so it's been a while, but that doesn't mean I, I don't know how to do it. You know, it's still there. Um, it's just you got to put together some solid golf, and these guys are playing great. It's a course you're going to have to make a lot of birdies, and, um, you know, that's just got to minimize, you know, the bad shots and really keep it in front of myself. Fru I mean, frustrating. Frustrating is the word I, I can use. Um, Look, it all comes down to just winning. 
You know, you, you can miss 20 cuts and have two wins, and I'd love to win. It's not the consistency I'd want, but you get my point is is winning to me is it's everything, right? You got to learn how to close. You got to you got to be able to do it. And uh, it sucked in Memorial because obviously I hurt myself and I was two back. And being two back at, at that course, you make one birdie in the first four holes, uh, you, you might be tied for the lead, right? So it's just putting myself in contention, giving myself three days of good golf to get there to Sunday to be in contention, right? It's, I've kind of put myself behind the eight ball recently, playing some bad first rounds, trying to climb back up, you know, second, third, fourth round. Um, it's hard to win tournaments like that. So, um, yeah, this year hasn't been great, but that's, you know, I'm not giving up. We're still right there. We're 32nd FedEx Cup. You know, a win puts us pretty high up. Um, so it's just focus on, on how to win, you know, and I, I think it's just coming down to controlling the golf ball. Right now I've brought in left on the golf course, and that's when I was playing my best, when I was winning, I could swing as hard as I want, and the ball was never going left. And it's just getting those three shots around, per se, left out of play. And then now it's, you know, I, I go and play like I did on Friday at Travelers, and it was like I didn't hit it great. I didn't hit it my best I've ever hit it. But it was like you make a few birdies, you make your par fives birdies, and you're seven under. You know, obviously there was low scores, but that seven under was a lot easier than a lot of rounds I've had in the past couple months. Colin Morikawa addressing the media at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Uh, for Max Homa, when you're, when you're talking about going from the U.S. Open to the Travelers Championship and a Travelers Championship in that regard, TPC River Highlands, is a smallish golf course, relatively short. It's not a Donald Ross golf course, but it's got earmarks of that old classic golf course at, at TPC River Highlands last week. The top part of the golf course that, uh, above the ridge where you have the riverside, above that ridge dates back to 1924. Well, Max is looking to find some magic again, and he's hoping that with his consummate game, he can find it right here at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Yeah, it's uh, it's great to be here. I love this golf course. Uh, it was a shame to see, I don't know, the quasi-tornado that came through here, but it's a pretty amazing uh, to watch all of the, uh, the grounds crew. And I know that I heard that they had to bring in 120 other people, extra people to help. So that was... That was pretty amazing. Uh, I'm very, very impressed and very thankful that they did what they did. Uh, when we were here Tuesday, it, it was a little, uh, or Monday, I mean, it was a little scary. You know, trees had fallen down, and then by yesterday, it looked normal again. So I'm, I'm amazed by all of them. Uh, I'm happy that uh, it's gotten cleared out so we could have a great golf tournament um, in, in a city that shows out and really supports this event. Just keep playing playing good golf. I've been swinging the club really well. I've been putting it well. All the things feel really good. Uh, so just kind of keep doing that. I'm coming off two missed cuts. Uh, and I guess typically uh, maybe a year or so prior, I would try to reinvent the wheel. But everything feels great. Just golf is a, a, mean, a mean game. So my goals are just to go keep playing golf the way I play, uh, kind of make it feel like I'm at home and just – uh, enjoy my time and, and, and wait for uh, golf to love me again a little bit. <laughs> it's always tricky. I mean, I'm probably not the guy to ask. I don't think I've ever won an event that was in the 20s or 30s. Definitely not. So you, there's like the, I think, temptation to play really aggressive. In my opinion, I just think it's you, you just have to get hot. I don't think you can change your strategy. Uh you're obviously going to have to putt the ball really well. Anybody who's ever shot that many under par has rolled it great. So you're going to have to hold a lot of putts. Uh, but I don't think I would change anything. Uh, oddly enough, I would I would imagine a goal would be to actually stay somewhat patient because you're going to see somebody the first day tomorrow shoot. I guess I'm in the morning, so I won't have to deal with this much. But someone's going to be like 9, 10 under, if I had to guess. So uh, not chasing that and letting it come to you. Uh, there's obviously, if the golf course is going to have scores that low, there's going to be a lot of scoring holes and you just kind of wait for your moments. And, uh, and, and again, the relative PJ tour golf course, I mean, I just played a pro-am, so it's like not easy. Uh, so there's still going to be some tough spots, but, uh, I think the game plan when the courses are very low scores is just to not make mental mistakes, not make unforced errors. And you know, you're going to make a lot of birdies. 
Another player that's looking to find something special this week is Justin Thomas. Now, he struggled through the U.S. Open by his own admission and that of others. Uh, At the Travelers Championship last week, he definitely found something. He definitely started to play better. So let's hear what the mindset is from Justin Thomas heading into this week's PGA Tour event. I've really enjoyed my time here so far. It's uh, I felt very welcomed. It's um, it's been cool. The, the golf course is fun. Very very old school. Obviously, with the weather they had, uh, you know, they're they're kind of put behind the eight ball in terms of, of the course being soft. But you have to really really be able to control your distance and your spin because the balls are, are spinning back, uh, unlike any place I've ever seen. So it, it's definitely going to put a priority on distance control and 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 trajectory and all that and um you know i'm excited i think each day is kind of built up a little bit more and more i just got in monday afternoon and uh i'm excited for tomorrow yeah i need to take it one step at a time i I, i'm very fortunate uh that i've never been in this position in my career uh but unfortunately i need to play some good golf to um you know to be worried about not worried but to take it one step at a time i've in past, I've kind of been already just looking to Eastlake at this point of the season, but um, you know, I'm not in that spot right now, so I just need to continue to keep building and keep working on what I have been. Um, definitely saw a lot of a lot of great signs last week and played some really really good golf those last three days. And you know, I'm just a couple events away from being right there, and and a lot of things can happen. And uh, the unknown is the the fun and bad part about this game. So we'll see where it takes us. I mean, quite a bit, to be honest. I, I was outside the playoffs going into last week, and, uh, I mean, I would love to, you know, be able to kind of have the same schedule I have in the past, but at the same time, you know, it's uh, – I am I wish it was under different circumstances, but I'm very glad to be here. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's one of those things where you get – some years you need to add some events, some years you need to take some off based off of – it be injury where you are in the points or wanting to play an event, wanting not to family obligations, whatever it is. And, um, I generally don't play four in a row. Three is kind of my sweet spot. And this being my third in a row, it, it, about a month ago, you know, I reached out to my, my team and I was like, I think this is, this could be a good ad and obviously not terribly far from, from Hartford. So like, let's, uh, let's make it happen. And then the next couple months or the next month or so kind of took its place and it worked out that I, I needed to play here more than I thought. So, um, you know, everything happens for a reason, I guess. It's tough. You, you, I work on it like I work on my wedge game. Um, I, I practice it. I, I try to learn from it like I do every tournament. And I think um, after it was done long enough and I was able to reflect, I mean, I learned a lot from the U.S. Open. I felt like I was playing – I know I was playing the best golf that I've played in a, in a really long time. I mean, I'm talking, you know, two, three, four, five years. And uh, and because of that, my expectations got up, and I and I fully expected to go win that golf tournament. And I started – I was playing more golf swing than I was golf, and, and that got in the way. And last week, I wasn't feeling great about my golf swing in the beginning of the week, and, um, and I kind of said, screw it. I'm just going to go out here and hit shots and play golf. I'll, I'll – use the practice rounds, the pro-am, the time on the range to really kind of hammer down the, the things in my swing mechanically I want to work on. But then when I'm out there, I just need to go play. Um, and all the credit to her, my, honestly, my wife uh, Wednesday night last week sent me a text that I woke up to Thursday that just kind of, it resonated to me and it really hit home uh, better than anything I've heard. And just to basically said, remember, why you love this game and why you play this game and and why you're out there just enjoy that and kind of take it in and it just it hit home for me so last week any kind of challenge I faced um, anything good that happened anything bad that happened I just kind of remembered you know this is it's why I play professional golf and that's it's why I'm doing this so um, you know it's, it's like anything you just try to get better there's just a time and a place for for both you know I mean when I'm on the range I'm I'm there's specific times on the range where I might be trying to work it if maybe if I'm working on club face control or, or I'm, I'm just trying to hit certain shots. But I think it, I've, I've done a pretty good job of, of trying to separate each thing. You know, I'm not when I'm working on distance control, I'm working on distance control. If I'm working on shots, I'm working on shots. I'm not trying to mix, you know, 
a lot of mechanics, a lot of distance control, and a lot of shot shaping and trajectory all in one because then it, it's, it's just not realistic. You know, I, I almost kind of like separate them, if you will. And, um, you know, if I'm there working on mechanical and swing stuff, like I don't really care what the ball is doing because that's, that's not the goal of that. The goal of that is to feel what is right so then I know what that is to where I can do that repeated over and over and over again to where I don't have to think about it anymore. And then when I'm comfortable enough, I'm able to go hit those shots. Justin Thomas, so w- when you heard me talking earlier about kind of the, the consummate player for a golf course like this, smallish, tight, fast greens, raised green complexes, when you look at it statistically, one of the players that seems to perfectly fit all of those areas is none other than Tom Kim. He now, a veteran of all of 21 years old, because he just turned 21 recently. Here are his thoughts. This event kind of has a special place in my heart just because, you know, it's where I realized that my dream was, my dream came true. Um, you know, I had I, I made the I remember I just made the cut on the number and I had a really good weekend to give me a top ten to secure my card. So, you know, great memories. It's kind of nice to come back to an event that I've been to, not being able to adjust every week. So, uh, you know, it's been a it's been a nice easy week and hopefully I'll be able to kind of have a better week than I did last year. Yeah, I've been I, I definitely spent a lot of time this year in the gym um, and. My speed has definitely gone up. My numbers have gone up. So that has been actually, you know, my ups and downs this year has been, has been that has played definitely a role in that. Uh, you know, I've ha- obviously gaining so much speed in a quick amount of time. Uh, just the positions that I'm in now, it's obviously it, it changes a lot in the timing of it. But uh, it's not like I did anything crazy. I just got really strong. You know, I got, you know, I spent a lot of time in the gym. I ate, I ate really well. So, um it hasn't been crazy amounts of changes, but it's definitely in the long in the long term. I feel like the way I've done it is uh, is going to help. It's going to benefit me uh, tremendously, um, especially like playing like last week. Uh, sorry, the previous week uh, at the U.S. Open. Just in a long golf course like that, having one seventy two, one seventy three instead of one sixty five is is a lot easier. You know, coming in the greens with wedges instead of six and seven iron. So. Um, yeah, but definitely spending a lot of time in the gym kind of got me a lot stronger to have that ability to hit it harder. Finally, 21. You know, it's uh, never really thought I'd, I'd get here, but uh, no, it was uh, it was cool. Obviously, Scotty and I have a great relationship. Uh, he and I share the same birthday, so um, being at the Travelers and uh, his he was he was celebrating his 27th, and I was celebrating my 21st. So uh, no, but it's it's really cool for me to be able to just be kind of close with the guys who are on like in, just in top of the world rankings of the FedEx Cup this you, you get to learn a lot you know I asked him a lot of things and uh, you know obviously Scotty he's very nice enough to you know tell me a lot of things just about golf and even outside the golf course but it comes with a price where he, he can give me you know some a really hard time but uh, no, it's it definitely helps me, and because I'm still trying to learn, I'm still in I'm still in my early stages of my career. So to be able to kind of be around those guys, it definitely helps me. Tom Kim speaking before the media at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. As I mentioned, the coverage will be coming up at 3 p.m. Eastern time today on Golf Channel. Now, Liv is playing this week. They're in Valderrama, Spain. Yes, an absolutely classic venue, a venue that was. I would say one of the cornerstones of the DP World Tour, formerly called the European Tour for many, many years. Uh, It was a Ryder Cup venue and more. Well, three people that addressed the media, all from the United States, all veteran Ryder Cup uh, players themselves in the form of Brooks Kepka and Dustin Johnson and Phil Mickelson, they addressed the media at a time in the world of golf and particularly at a time for Live Golf itself where there seems to be more questions than there are answers. I played the back nine yesterday. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, great golf course. Really got to think your way around it. Um, it's it can be very difficult if you if you're just off a little bit, and I think that's a sign of a good golf course. If you're just off a little bit, you can you're struggling to shoot par. Um, 
But if you're playing good, you, you've got you've got some chances to really really shoot a low number. So I'm excited to play it this week. See the front nine today. DJ. Yeah, um, I played yeah, the back nine yesterday, front nine on Monday. Course is unbelievable. Better you got to drive it straight. You know, tiny greens. Um, I really like it though. It's it's a golf course. You know that. I like, but yeah, you definitely want to be on your game playing this place. Uh, you know, like Brooke said, if you're off just a little bit, it's very tough to make pars or, you know, and obviously depending on how firm the greens get just because they're so tiny and they got a lot of slope, um, you know, the course could be as, as tough as you want it. But yeah, it's a fantastic golf course and I really enjoy it. I, I uh, played here a long time ago, but. I have really fond memories here with Seve. I, I had a really special relationship with Seve. I looked up to him as a kid and had a chance to play my first PGA Tour event, a practice round with him in San Diego, and he, he was so kind to me, and I really appreciated uh, the time that I had spent with him, and there were a lot of great memories from his captaincy in 97. Uh, even though we lost uh, by a point, uh, made a good, good Sunday rally, the memories I have were of Seve uh, leading his team and driving around the course and, and uh, getting in, in, involved in uh, what his players should do and try this shot and, like, how creative he was. I just I had a lot of great memories, but a lot of them are, are from Valderrama, and I can't come here without thinking about him. There, it's been a pretty full schedule for me relative to what I was expecting uh, it to be uh, at 53, you know, playing 19 events this year with the four majors and the 14 live events and then uh, playing in, in Saudi Arabia earlier this year. So it's been a lot of golf. But it's been fun because there's been enough breaks in between to where I get excited to get back out here. And uh, we were talking with, with our teammates about how much we were looking forward to getting out here and playing and playing practice rounds together and competing again. Uh, so there, there's enough of a, a time off in between where we get excited to get out here. And this is really a fun month for us to be over here in Europe. We've got two incredible live events here this week in Valderrama, next week in London. Uh, before a little break to prepare for the British Open. So uh, I'm expecting a lot of players that aren't in the British to qualify, uh, and then there's a lot of players here that, that will be competing. And so uh, this will be an exciting month uh, for the live players as we, we really make a push to the second half of our season, and it's been a lot of fun. With the um, framework agreement that was announced at the beginning of the month, uh, it seems like most people presume that you guys want to return to the PGA Tour, yet just hearing you talk about how you prepared for majors and how the way the – the season flows, it's, it's actually a much better way for you guys. I'm just wondering if you actually do want to return to the PGA Tour in some form or fashion. I mean, I've been pretty happy with my decision to be be here at Live. Um, I've enjoyed it. I've, I'm not going to speak for anybody else, but I would say everybody's everybody's pretty excited and everybody's pretty happy with where, where they're at right now. Um, it's tough It's tough to look into the future and say, um, I, I mean, I don't, I don't have any control of what other guys do, but um, I know I'm happy where I'm at right now and um, just take it one day at a time. Um, yeah, um, I'm excited of, you know, for the future. I think, you know, with this agreement, the only thing that's going to happen is Liv's going to get even better than, than what it was than what it is now, which it's already great. I'm happy exactly where I am, and I'm definitely not looking to play more golf than I'm playing now, that's for sure. Bill, you had a chance to talk to us at the U.S. Open, but you wanted to wait till after. Unfortunately, you left early, so can you talk about your thoughts now? Uh, somewhat. I mean, I think that right now we have basically an agreement to have an agreement, so there's really uh, – and, and everything over the last couple of years that we've been told by our – by Greg and uh, everybody – uh, on live have has come to fruition so we have a lot of confidence in um in what they have been uh, saying to us uh because everything has been happening and we don't really feel the need to um, you know publicly posture uh our position so uh, there's really no need for us to to talk about things publicly but to just let it play out one other thing oddly most people think that lib is going to go away they thought that the agreement basically said that but you're talking about capes you're talking about going to the future. So it seems like all of you believe that this is going to be around for a while. I think actions are a little bit stronger than words. I think in, uh, if you just look at what Liv is doing and what we're doing, I think that, that will um, is more of a statement. Phil, I don't think you answered. Just specifically, do you have any interest in playing on the PGA Tour in the future? So rather than just say, like, yes, no, I know that I would say that all of the, uh, from a player experience, all of the difficulties and challenges and 
the, the things that take a lot of excess of energy output throughout the week have been um, made have been fixed at live, and so the player experience here is incredible, and uh, I, I just can't envision a, a better scenario for me as a player than than playing out here on live. Can I also ask? I mean, you were in a lot of headlines. You took a lot of heat, a lot of criticism. When this framework was announced, did you feel any form of vindication? I would say I felt appreciation that we got to this point where we're working together because it makes me confident with where the game of golf is headed uh, in the future. We felt like it was going to be about two years roughly uh, before we got to that point. It took a year and a half or six months quicker than I thought it would w- would be. And um, going forward, we're, very, we're all very optimistic about um, – where the game of golf and professional golf specifically is is headed. Also, a lot of the changes that have been made uh, because of Live were all very appreciative, uh, both on the Live Tour as well as the PGA Tour. And we're happy for the guys out there that uh, they're having the the uh, well that they're having some positive changes there as well. Interesting comments there from the gents, uh, particularly I thought when Phil Mickelson was asked about. Would he consider playing back on the PGA Tour or not? Now, we didn't answer that question directly, but what he did answer, which I thought was interesting, he was talking about it in the context of energy, where he said, well, Liv has got that figured out. And, he, and, and he's talking about the retention of energy, I believe, to give it context, uh, because Liv is three rounds, and PGA Tour is four rounds. He's just talking about the amount of energy that it takes to do what you need to do to compete at the top level of respective tours. And it is different from one to the other, not the least of which is one requires 25% more golf than the other in the tournament proper. And that says nothing in terms of any other obligations that go along with it, including the amount of energy it takes for him to get ready uh, for a respective round. And again, when when I hear something like that, it doesn't really matter to me whether, although I respect the opinions, it doesn't matter to me whether you agree or disagree with Phil. I'm glad that a player let us know what they were thinking and how and why something might be working for them. Part of my mind with that goes, well, you got Phil, a guy that's in his early 50s now, so retention of energy and where he expends it or, or not is probably pretty important to him. So I thought that was just an interesting answer that he gave, although it wasn't exactly the answer that the, the reporter was looking for. They wanted to know if he wanted to play in the PGA Tour again, which my guess would be if he if he had the ability to do so, uh, I think Phil would come back on the PGA Tour. I mean, you guys might feel differently about that way in uh, accordingly. And then the whole other question about whether he feels vindicated, and Phil is so smart in terms of how he handles his public persona, the comments that he makes there's there's so gauged in Wade he said that he feels appreciation and I 100% believe that Phil Mickelson had pondered this previously in terms of how does he want to posture himself in in this whole method message I think that my personal opinion is is I think that Phil would love to have people say no wait a minute a lot of the things that Phil brought up as problems have now been put on a pathway to correction, right? And which I've told you right along, uh, when, when people say, well, Phil was, Phil was a martyr, he wasn't a martyr because of what he said was not right or needed to change about the PGA Tour. Where, where Phil got himself in trouble was the revelation that the Phil that people thought they saw on the front, the, the thumbs-up smiley guy, uh, and all of a sudden, the, the comments that were made behind the scenes, and they went, whoa, I didn't realize that this is the same guy. I, I mean, I think it's pretty naive to think that, that people are the exact same all the time, regardless of circumstance, even when they're dealing with, with heightened negotiations. But that's what got Phil in trouble with all the fans and everybody else, is that there was this other Phil that lurked behind the scenes. But in terms of Phil speaking out to say, no, there's things that need to change. Not everything that Phil said were the things that were attacked and changed. Remember Phil's first big approach, the obnoxious greed comments that he made to John Huggin of Golf Digest Europe, which also got him in a lot of trouble, where where people, including the guy he was sitting next to, Brooks Kepka, said, um, and I'm quoting, um, if I were you, I wouldn't talk about obnoxious greed. That came from Brooks Kepka talking answering back to Phil Mickelson. 
But what Phil was talking about in that direct context was media rights. Right? And the media rights is something that no league is going to give up to any player anywhere. Because that is where they generate their real revenue, is media rights. Right? And so in all the things that they're talking about in this union of the public investment fund and bringing together thus the tours of live and the PGA tour and the DP world tour. Nobody's talking about kicking back media rights, to the players. So if that represents obnoxious greed, then that obnoxious greed is running through the whole lot. That's what I'm saying. What Phil was right about was see, was saying that the development and the, the, the establishment thus of live was an opportunity to use leverage on the PGA Tour that had not existed previously. 100% accurate. And through that new dynamic, major changes came about. 100% accurate. Call it visionary, call it necessary, call it uh, leadership, call it whatever you want. But Phil was right. And there's nothing wrong with with that acknowledgement as well. It's just that the people that love Phil bunch it all together and go, he was right about everything, and he got chastised for it. That's not exactly what took place. Phil was right. But how it went down, because Phil attempted to orchestrate the way that the steps were taken like he always has. So it's very interesting to me in hearing his comments now, instead of going, do you feel vindicated? And Phil going, hell yeah. Instead, Phil saying, oh, I feel appreciated. Call it semantics if you want to. But the truth is, Phil should be appreciated for what he put into motion in many different ways. All right, when we come back, we are going to have a very special guest. And it's a person that I think... You're going to feel like you already know in many ways. This is a very important person in the world of golf and a person that as soon as you see and hear from, you're going to go, oh, yeah. But the story behind the story is one that I think you may be amazed by. And the purpose of our get together coming up is something that may cause you to think or at the very least expand your mind. The Fairways of Life show continues right after these words. It is presented in part by DeWiz. Log on to DeWizGolf.com and see this incredible wearable device. It is a game and swing monitor that will provide you with so much information that you literally can modify your golf swing. Make it better than it's ever been before. Make your feel real with DeWiz. Easy now. Find your happy place. The PGA Tour Superstore. It's all in the hips. Where every swing is possible. Just tap it in. Yes! <laughs> Find all the latest gear, apparel, and personalized club fittings. Is this goodbye? We've only just begun. Shop with the pros at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. In Ireland. Golf is more than just a game. Come and experience our world-famous Lynx courses and our world-famous Parkland courses, all set alongside world-famous scenery. And visit our world-famous historic sites. And while you're here, enjoy our world-famous hospitality. Fill your heart with Ireland at ireland.com forward slash golf. It screams. It tracks. It's soft. It reacts. It is the Bridgestone Tour B with a game-changing reactive cover designed to spring faster off your driver and stick longer to your wedges. Try Bridgestone's Tour Bs. The Tour Ball reinvented. 
The Gen 6 Iron is a culmination of everything that we have learned as a team. The absolute best golf club I have ever hit. It's something special. Say hello to the new PXG Gen 6 Iron. The longest, most accurate irons we've ever made. They go higher and farther than any iron that I have hit to date, and they're so easy to hit. Super excited for the consumer to try this. They're going to love them. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. Baseball, nah. Football, done it. I think I'm going to go after the PGA Tour. Bo, you're going to need the right equipment company. I think I got that. You know Tour Edge backs all their clubs with a lifetime warranty. I know. They ship all their premium custom clubs in 48 hours. I know. All their premium clubs are hand-built in the USA. I know. You know Tour Edge has won 35 times out here. Guys, I know. Pound for pound, nothing comes close. This is the Wiz. It tracks your swing in real time. Got it. One zero one. Gives you feedback in real time. Instead of guessing, I get the direct feedback. The Wiz have really helped me to keep that consistent swing. You can go out there on your own and just hit balls and it'll fix your golf game. Transition on plane. The Wiz, sold exclusively at thewizgolf.com. That's a cool shot, Dom. I haven't seen that shot before. That's uh, myself and Joel Damon out of Scottsdale National last fall with the shoot that we did. It was a big production that aired on Golf Channel. Had a chance to work with a lot of the members of Team PXG. There's the United States Ryder Cup captain, Zach Johnson. All right. I am incredibly proud to be an ambassador for PXG. It's funny because people say to me all the time, you know, you could be an ambassador for any company that you want to. Why did you choose PXG? Because to me, they're the best. It's a pretty simple connection. I am super excited folks for our next guest. We have a very special guest up next and someone I'm proud to call a friend. He is the founder and CEO of PXG. He is the visionary Bob Parsons, you know, and when you take a look at, lives of courage it takes just that at times to do the very thing that everybody around you would advise against at the height of the vietnam war in 1968 bob parsons joined the marines through conviction and through tenacity bob parsons life has been defined by many things and in many ways by the experience that he started with in Vietnam. He came home as a Purple Heart recipient. Bob Parsons had massive success in the world of business, and he has redefined the golf industry with his revolutionary concept of who and what PXG is. It is always a pleasure to have his company, and again, I'm very, very proud to be able to call him a friend as well. Bob Parsons, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great, Matt, and I love being on your show, brother. It is so great to see you. Hey, you know what I would love to do to jump into this to start, Bob? I want to talk to you about the new Gen 6 product that you guys came out with in 2023. I guess the first question I would have for you is, how is it going? What's the reaction been of the marketplace? Talk to us a little bit about Gen 6. Well, you know, the market, the the reception has been outstanding, Uh, and... uh, uh, for us to sell a set of these clubs, all that has to happen is a customer needs to hit them. Once they hit them, they're usually all struck, and a uh, uh, credit card comes out, and off we go. And when that credit card comes out and off they go, they're going to take these golf clubs back to wherever they play golf and experience a, a revolutionary technology that goes along with the, the fitting experience they have. We're talking about the X-Core 2 material. We're talking about the clean and classic design. You can see it there on your television screen, folks. Could you talk to us, Bob, about the evolution of your technology and the way that you are crafting your golf clubs as works of art? Well, yeah, I mean, we learn something each and every time we do it. A new generation, Matt, and uh, Gen 6 was no exception. And the one caveat that um, uh, I have, have, have given our engineers to meet is uh, 
before we release a new generation, it has to be significantly and noticeably uh, an improvement over the prior generation. And, and uh, you know, sometimes, you know, they run around and they shake their heads, but um, you know, they, they always, always get to where they need to be. Now, part of where they getting to where they need to be was the new gen six driver. Uh, it is exceptional. It has more of a, traditional teardrop look to it uh it is obviously like everything else folks with with pxg totally can be customized to you and your swing uh could you talk to us a little bit about the new gen 6 driver as well well the 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 gen 6 driver for us is is just a just a real achievement because uh it is in in length it stands right tall next to everybody else a little longer than some maybe a yard shorter than others but where it really shines is in dispersion accuracy that thing is so easy to hit in the middle that um you know once you once you start hitting it it's all you want to hit yeah there's a little so it's uh so so we're really proud of it and 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 what we did matt is you know if if i can mention price is uh you know we brought it into the market at 499 dollars, which is a hundred dollars less than what it ought to be uh and and um so anyhow, customers appreciate that as well. I'm sure they do. And you also have the PXG apparel line, which similar to what you did with the golf equipment, Bob, is cutting edge as well in, in making its own statement. Yeah, you know, uh, Renee, my wife, is president and, and uh, 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 president and, and uh, chief bottle washer over, over at the uh, apparel division. And... Uh, Man, she has done a good job. I mean, you know, we the the way we make our apparel is different than anybody else's. Uh, what what she does is is first uh, we have our own designers. We we do all our own designs. She whittles down what she's going to make. Then she goes out and sources the material. A lot of it from Italy, you know, some from Scotland, Japan. The performance material, and uh, then she takes it to a uh, high-end manufacturer that specializes in those particular garments that we have a relationship with and they're all in korea and um and we make you know they 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 make it they size it and um you know the, the like like the difference in our apparel is is so unique from anybody else's first all you have to do is feel the fabric I mean, you know, it, it comes across, it just exudes quality. Uh, the other thing that she does is she uses uh, wherever possible. She doesn't use buttons. She uses snaps. So, um, I mean, I, I've gotten so used to using snaps. I won't wear a shirt with buttons. I mean, you know, I don't have, you don't have any strings hanging out. have to fiddle with getting the button through a buttonhole. Now, maybe that makes you a little lazy. I consider it progress. I love that. I, Bob, I have to ask you, too, where we're – broadcasting from and and picking you up from at Scottsdale National, I'm sure behind you looks like a really unique. Are we, are we in your office, a really unique kind of collection behind you? Could you talk to us about what, what's uh, on that wall? Well, you're, you're in my office at North Scottsdale. And what, what you see is uh, on the, on the lower left or, or, or my lower, it looks like my right. But it's it's actually my left. But uh, you know, you see you see a frame with my my photo in it, and uh, then you see two military insignias of the units that I fought with, and then you see the medals that uh, that I was awarded when I was there. And the two most notable, the ones I'm the most proud of, are the uh, Purple Heart, but the Combat Action Ribbon, which uh, you know you you get the Combat Action Ribbon. <laughs> for being face to face with the other guys. Um, so anyhow, that's, 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 uh, something that we, we Marines hold sacred. Uh, then what you see is the large red one with Vietnam on it. That's it indicates the first Marine division who I was with when I was in, in Vietnam. Uh, then you see some, uh, Marine Corps swords, uh, with a, uh, Marine Corps, uh, uh, logo. And I was given that as a gift by uh, a, a Marine Corps organization. And then, and then you see some other things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, my office remind you know, 
is all about my genesis, which is the Marine Corps and the Vietnam War, brother. Bob, when you look back on the days that you spent uh, in Vietnam, and, and in particular, the days following, whether it was with, whether it was following a catastrophic injury or more, do you think when you look back on it in retrospect now and the experience that you have had since, can golf be a vehicle for helping people to heal from the scars of major trauma? Yeah, yeah, I, I certainly think so. It, it can lend itself to it. And the way it does it is it gets you out with other people, right? And, and, it, and, and socializing and socializing as, as a, as a very healing, healing, uh, um, well, it, it's, it's, it's a very healing thing. And um, not socializing is, is very destructive to our health. Uh, we are social animals, and that needs to happen. And golf is excellent for doing that. The other thing that golf does is it takes you outside of yourself. So you spend your time thinking about the golf course as opposed to reflecting on you know all the memories that you have floating around in your head and that sort of thing. And that's very healthy to boot. So, so golf can help out in a number of ways. And there's a number of individuals who will say that, you know, they, they've, they've come home from a war situation, whether it's in the Middle East or Southeast Asia, whoever in the hell it was, and they'll say that golf, in fact, saved their life. And um, I believe that totally. Amazing stuff. You, PXG and the PXG troops and the commitment that you have made as a company, as an individual, to helping spread the word about how golf can help people. Could you talk to us about the, the motivation behind that program and the fact that people that are dealing with situations, the people that we rely on uh, to be the people on the wall, if you please, are, are people that can also reach out to PXG and there is a common bridge there, a union to the game of golf. Well, what, what we do, you know, a big part of our company is based on recognizing the military and honoring the military. Uh, we give uh, what we call PXG heroes, all of them, a significant discount on our products. And, um, and it is, uh, it's a gesture of respect from us for the job that they do and the people that, that we do are first responders and military. And it, it would be like <clears throat> past, former, and current military, uh, law enforcement, firefighters, uh, EMTs, first responders, all the people that put their life on the line as, as part and parcel of doing their job. So, so, so that's, that's part of it. They're the PXG heroes. And then the PXG troops is, is everybody that is, um, uh, that is a PXC customer. We like to refer to them as our troops. And, um, you know, it's kind of like the same thing as Arnie's army. Uh, I mean, there are troops baby. And, um, the, the, um, the situation is just something that we're all proud of. And then even in the naming of our products, like our premier product, which is our 0311 line of uh, clubs, which is our top products. 0311 is a Marine Corps military occupational code uh, for uh, riflemen. And uh, they're, the, they're, they're the guys that make the difference. Uh, guys that uh, go into the bush and, Guys that are uh, up close and personal. That's what I did in Vietnam. Uh, Bob, I want to talk to you more about the people, heroes that served in various roles and, and whether they carry with them now anxiety, depression, post-traumatic stress disorder. You have been out front with feeling that something can be done, something of significance can be done to help these individuals. And I'm curious about the commitment that you and Renee and your foundation has made towards these causes. Well, first and foremost, when I, when I came back from, uh, from the, the Vietnam War, I was different in a number of ways. Uh, I was different in some good ways. Uh, first, you know, I, I had a strong work ethic, which I never had when I went in. I was just a, you know, young guy. And, um, you know, the Marine Corps taught me discipline, how to see things through and how to honor responsibility. And they really got that through my head. And they also taught me 
that um, I could accomplish far more than I thought I could and that I had a right to be proud. So all those things were good. So, you know, for example, when I was in school, I was a terrible student. I um, failed the fifth grade. I was going to fail my senior year in high school had I not joined the Marine Corps and showed all my teachers my grades and they, they all passed me. Uh, so, uh, you know, you know, it just wasn't, wasn't good. But when I came out of there and I, I, I went to, went to college, I, I graduated magna cum laude with a degree in accounting, passed the CPA exam the first time, taught myself how to program a computer from a book I, I bought at Stanford at the bookstore. And I mean, and, and was able to start my own business with and and succeed without anybody really helping me. And well, I'd have never done any of that without the Marine Corps. So it's fair to say that everything I ever accomplished, I owed it to the Marine Corps. And that is, uh, you know, that's just not something I'm saying. That is the God's honest truth. Uh, the The other thing is, not all the changes in me were good. Many of them were not so good. You know, when I came, before I went over, I was a pretty happy-go-lucky guy. I liked going places. I, you know, I was slow to anger. I just just enjoyed life. When I came back, not, you know, I wasn't that way anymore. I had a had a flash temper. Didn't like being around people. Uh, got depressed. Uh, sometimes I was prone to cry. Always when I was by myself, never when I was around anybody. And, um, you know, life just had just a real grim side to it. Um, now, the thing that got me through that was I buried myself in my work. And, um, you know, other veterans weren't so lucky. I was pretty lucky. So uh, this continued with me. It cost me uh, two marriages. Uh, you know, God bless those women uh, that I was married to. I mean, they, you know, they, they hung on as long as they could. But I was, I was a different guy to be with, a difficult guy to be with. And then I met Renee, and, uh, you know, she, she didn't give up on me. And uh, in 2018, I read Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Life. And what a difference that made. That's all about psychedelics and, and, and how they've been used over, over the years and um, uh, what they can accomplish. And, you know, I, I had no idea. So that that was the case. So I took and told my wife about it and said, boy, I, I, I would like to try that. And um, so she had me hooked up with a couple guides and in a few weeks and I, I met with them. And uh, for three days, you know, I took psychedelics while talking about my experiences during the war and, and, and other things. And I mean, it, it, it was, it's, it's a hard thing. Um, you know, a lot of tears and so forth. And, uh, but when I finished it, I was, I was back like I was before, uh, before the war. I mean, it was like, Matt, it was like 49, no, 48 years. And I finally came home. Wow. And that was beautiful. Yeah. It's and I owed that all the psychedelics. So now I spend my time, uh, supporting organizations that are, are, are trying to get that legalized and provide services to veterans and other military. Uh, some of them, we, they, they ship them to countries like Jamaica and Mexico, where the treatment is, is not illegal. And uh, the differences in these guys is profound. I mean, brings them home. How much uh, is all of this, Bob, about trying to destigmatize to the, uh, PTSD? Well, you know, PTSD is is something that is that is very real, and I, I believe most people have it to a certain degree. Now, veterans have it. I mean, as much as anybody's going to have, and and what it basically is is it's your uh, the front of your brain, the amygdala, which controls fight or flight and emotions, getting out of tilt, and when that gets out of tilt from repeated I mean, high trauma events like, um, oh, like, um, like combat, you know, that sort of thing. And it's again and again and again, you know, guys come home and, and they, um, uh, they don't realize it, but their, their brain is already in almost full fight or flight. 
And the least little thing will trigger a temper flash or something. And they have absolutely no control about this. Now, some will say, you know, I've talked to guys that have fighter that have, have got uh, PTSD to beat the band. And they'll tell me, I don't have PTSD. And I'll tell them, you have it as bad as anybody I've ever met. And, um, but the, the thing that the problem and the trick is, the dirty trick is, is that the brain normalizes the problems for the person in which it resides. So these people, because of the way the brain works, do not even think they have PTSD. And, um, you know, to get to get people to realize that and, and then want to do something about it is, uh, is, is no mean chore. And one of the things I tell veterans, if you don't know if you have PTSD or not, ask those around you, your family, your friends, your kids, they'll know and they'll be happy to tell you. Amazing. Uh, Bob, the, the commitment that you and Renee and your foundation have made to this area, which is just part of a myriad of different areas that benefit other human beings, is very impressive indeed. I guess the last question I'd ask you relative to this then would be, how encouraged are you with the results that you're seeing so far? And how encouraged can you be that, in fact, this will become more widespread in its acceptance? Well, I'm, I'm encouraged by what I've seen it do and what it has done with me. But, I mean, the the, the job that remains is daunting. Uh, there's many, many people that need to be persuaded. And, um, you know, like I needed to be persuaded way back when. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, you know, one step at a time. And, and what the goal is, is every day we're just a little bit closer to to getting the job done. And uh, I know if we do that, eventually that'll happen. And here's what I'll tell you. If psychedelics become legal for therapeutic use, the United States will become a kinder, a gentler, more considerate country, you know, where everybody treats each other, you know, just a lot better. And um, tell you what, anytime you can accomplish something like that, you ought to do it. There's no doubt about that. And folks, you can get more information on the same by looking into treatments for PTSD. Please think about that for loved ones in your life or perhaps yourself, if wherever you're watching this uh, around the world. And look into the use of psychedelics in terms of the revolutionary boundaries that they are passing. A man who's very used to breaking through boundaries is Bob Parsons, the founder and CEO of PXG, uh, literally a company that brings joy to many, many people through the game of golf. Bob, it is always a joy, always a pleasure to have your company, and we thank you very much for all of your efforts, golf or otherwise. Thank you so much, Matt. You're the best, brother. I guess, hello world, huh? <laughs> and with one subtle hello, Tiger began an amazing and unthinkable career. I've done it for 20 years now with, with Bridgestone. It allows me to play an aggressive style around the greens, and it's allowed me to win a lot of tournaments. Bridgestone Golf, proud to be part of your journey. Boyne Golf provides the ultimate world-class golf destination with 10 championship-caliber courses spanning three resorts. Centered in Michigan's northern Lower Peninsula, the courses are the products of some of the game's masters, including Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross. From the all-inclusive vacation packages, elite instruction with the Boyne Golf Academy, tournaments, and so much more, Boyne Golf truly offers an unrivaled Michigan golf vacation experience. Just log on to boynegolf.com. This is the Wiz. It tracks your swing in real time. Got it. One zero one gives you feedback in real time. Instead of guessing, I get the direct feedback. The Wiz have really helped me to keep that consistent swing. You can go out there on your own and just hit balls, and it'll fix your golf game. Transition on plane. The Wiz sold exclusively at thewizgolf.com. <laughs> Easy now. Find your happy place. The PGA Tour Superstore. It's all in the hips. Where 
every swing is possible. Just tap it in. Yes! <laughs> Find all the latest gear, apparel, and personalized club fittings. Is this goodbye? We've only just begun. Shop with the pros at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. Say hello to the new PXG Gen 6 driver. This is the driver. It is absolutely fantastic on performance, distance, on looks, on feel and sound. Beyond forgiving. I am supremely confident that when a golfer hits our Gen 6 drivers, they are going to have some of the best golfing days they've ever had. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. Zero Friction introduces the Wheel Pro Push Cart Golf Bag with its revolutionary 3-in-1 design, supportive legs that spring into action, a comfort grip handle with three locking positions, accessories for the modern golfer enhanced by seven pockets for more storage, and removable all-terrain wheels which slide right into place. The new Zero Friction Wheel Pro Golf Bag checks every box for every golfer. Push, carry, or cart. The decision is yours thanks to Zero Friction. Head to ZeroFriction.com today. 